What's going on, guys? You are listening to the Lens Culture Photography Podcast, hosted by myself, Jonathan Pajak. And I just want to let you guys know the purpose of this podcast is to help all of you guys, photographers, videographers in this awesome industry, grow your business. That is the main purpose here. If you want to access anything I reference in this episode, be sure to head down to the show notes of the episode for additional information. Enough talking. Let's get right into it. Welcome, guys, and happy holidays. Um, it's an amazing time of the year. Obviously, um, for some of you guys, it may be getting a little cold where you're at. Um, here in Florida, we just saw 40 degrees the other day, and it felt great in me, to me, in my opinion. We don't see 40 degrees often, so it's actually nice to have the cool weather for a while. Um, but welcome to episode 50, guys. This is a big milestone for the Lens Culture Photography Podcast. Um, for those that consistently listen to each episode, I want to say thank you. Um, it's, it means a lot to me, especially since when I first started this. Um, I honestly thought maybe five people would listen. So knowing that within the first day, just the first day alone of each podcast, I get roughly 100 downloads. Um, that's awesome, guys. I mean, for me, those are small numbers in the podcast world. Um, but having knowing that 100 people are listening to my podcast on the first day I posted and you know a lot of people after the fact too it's just an amazing feeling so I want to say thank thank you to you guys when I originally started this podcast it was solely to create validation and trust around my photography business but shortly after I realized how much I just love teaching and interacting with the community um, that I work in and stuff like that so I just want to say thank you to you guys thank you for listening to me and if you ever take anything away from from these episodes that'd be that's amazing and I, I it makes me feel awesome and I hope that I've helped you guys out as much as I possibly can um, in today's episode we're talking all about quality increases you hear this a lot you hear a lot of people talking um, um, about like you know raising their quality and sometimes they could be referring to uh, the actual product they deliver other facets or avenues of their business that need quality increases um, obviously for us as photographers and videographers raising the quality for us usually means our deliverable I don't want to just touch on that today instead of just focusing on one avenue of my business and your business I'll be mentioning many different avenues um, where implementing something new can increase the quality of your business and attract better clients and um, just clients you like enjoy and loving to work with. The first thing with this topic, though, is realizing when it's time to make change. There's a lot of a lot of facets um, in your in your business or a lot of things that can can give you that aha moment or that like, oh, crap moment um, that you're like, I should be doing this better. I should be better about this. I remember when I was like, um, just start like I think it was like my first year in business, I realized I was like consistently either being like two minutes or three minutes late to like each shoot. Um, for like engagement sessions and portrait sessions and stuff like that and it, and it wasn't something I enjoyed I, I hated the aspect of rushing so I, what I started doing was um, you know setting my calendar in, or reminder about 30 minutes prior to 30 minutes prior if that makes sense so an hour prior so that I could just have that like few extra minutes I want to stop and get like a drink or like traffic's bad or something like that so that I can always consistently be there like 10 or 15 minutes earlier but for me that was one of those aha or oh crap moments that like the quality of my work will be negatively impacted by stuff that doesn't relate to the quality per se. Um, if you're horrible with email correspondence and you're showing up to late the shoots, there still might be a nasty taste in a client's mouth or a client's perception of you if, you know, with those with those things that are negative, even if your quality of, of your photos or video are absolutely amazing. They'll be like, oh, the video is absolutely amazing, but it was kind of difficult to 
to work with this person or, or difficult to get back them to get back with me. It took forever or something like that. Um, but realizing when it's time to make change is huge because a lot of times like, you know, we fall, you know, we're victims of being comfortable with, with how we are in our businesses and in life too. So we reread books, we rewatch Netflix shows because it's comfortable. So sometimes we don't realize when, you know, all of our films look the exact same or all of our photos are the exact same poses. We're not really taking um, creative risk or trying new things or doing that type of stuff. So definitely realizing when it's time to make a change is the first step of it all, 100%. Um, and I just jot this stuff in my notes, guys. For me, I constantly am thinking of whether I'm at a wedding or just out at at the gym just listening to a different podcast or thinking about something. I'll constantly just have like a notes tab for I have a separate folder in my notes tab for my business and I'll just take random notes throughout the day and I literally title it like random notes and I'll read it like once a week or something and like organize it and to places where I can, you know, have make a to-do list and actually implement the changes I want to make. But just think about the when you think about these little things, write them down because you're probably going to forget them. <laughs> the biggest lie we tell ourselves, just like when we were in school, is like, oh, I don't need to write that down. I'll remember it. And then you have no clue. Um, but definitely realizing when it's time to make changes is the biggest step, guys. And you probably have and you just kind of forgot about it. So definitely write it down so you can kind of understand that. But often when we think of quality increase as wedding photographers and videographers, we consistently and instantly go to the gear. And yes, we'll be talking a lot about gear in this episode, but first I want to touch on, you know, other parts of your business that that would will need quality increases if you feel like you're lacking on that side of your business. Um, a lot of this comes in from the initial contact. Uh, this is the initial contact. I've said it in so many episodes. I, I said it in the client experience episode. I've said it in... Um, I can't, or like booking higher clients too. Like that initial contact is crucial. Like I used to never want to respond to emails with my phone because I wanted to have my nice email professional signature to be included in all my emails. And it doesn't when you're on your phone because obviously it doesn't have that uh, capability and it just says, you know, like responded with on iPhone or something like that. Um, so I would wait to get until I got home or to a computer. And if I was close to it, I would do it quickly um, to respond to inquiry emails. Now, for me, I, I value more of the, the quickness and response to the... Um, the ability to send it with a nice professional email email signature. Don't get me wrong, an email signature that is really nice and professional with you know um, links that can go to your socials, your website and stuff is is really crucial. If you there's a way, I don't know if there's a way of tracking those. I would love to see the analytics if people click through my email signature to get to my socials or or stuff like that. Um, but responding quickly is huge, huge um, with reflecting yourself to at the top quality, the, the highest quality that you can. Use things like Calendly. I just started using Calendly, and I honestly don't know why I haven't used it before. Calendly, to summarize really quickly, guys, is a is a per month paid or annually paid platform that lets you schedule calls based on um, your client's schedule calls based on your calendar. So it'll auto sync your calendars and basically close off those windows that you're already busy. So when a client wants to schedule a call, you can set like your operating hours and then it'll cross-reference your already scheduled stuff in your calendar so that they can just pick a time that you're available and it works for them instead of just emailing back and forth. Stuff like that will make you, will increase the quality of your delivery just based on how professional that they uh, a client will feel with you. Um, so using Calendly is huge. I will never go back to the old way I was doing it. What time works for you? I can do this date, this date, this date, and this time, this time. You know, it's just too frustrating and annoying. The Calendly link is just 
It's professional. It's quick. It's easier for your client. And that's the big theme here. You'll notice in everything non-gear related is easeability and quickness. Um, with this said, professionalism, we talked about the professional signature. Um, using PDF guides or even like um, a, um, a website link that's not like live hosted so you just, and nobody can access it to present your pricing. For me, I do, I do pricing. I send pricing after we call and after I've already talked about it. I don't want to send it beforehand because it doesn't give them an opportunity to get on the phone with me or potentially have a multiple text conversation to, you know, get a little bit more of information about their wedding, learn more about me, kind of feel out each other's vibes and personalities. So for me, I don't send my pricing until after our phone call, but I send it in a really nice PDF guide so that it's clickable and it's a lot of photos and like reviews on it, like other tips and frequently asked questions, stuff like that. And then again, a lot of this coincides with each other, but uh, these are the main ones I can think of when it comes to the initial contact, but also just be res- be responsive and easy to coordinate with. Um, try to, you know, get back on emails as quick as possible. You know, multiple people or guests that I've had on the podcast have said that, that like quickness and response is like always really nice. Um, even if like you're hesitant and you have to be like, oh, let, let me get back with you shortly on that. And just that text alone can help you out so much with their of their perception of you. Okay, so before we continue on here, I have a favor to ask you guys. If you could take a few seconds to give the podcast a five-star review, that would be awesome. A five-star review is huge because it will help other photographers and videographers find the podcast and enjoy it as well. Thanks, and let's get back to the episode. Okay, so before I lose some of you guys, I want to talk about the gear. Um, obviously, this is maybe where you thought this episode was going to go to to begin with. I want to cover some key points and then we're going to kind of go like what to purchase as far as your photo and video goes if you're trying to like raise your quality. Um, This topic will always be the main talking point, obviously, when discussing the quality of one's work. Um, I always suggest start small, guys. I can't can't stand it when I see people that go from no cameras to the Canon R5. Like, start small. Get your Sony A6000. Get your Canon Rebel Ti3 or whatever they, they have. Start small and use that gear to its max potential. When there's like not a setting, I think for the example, the A6500 goes to 4,000 shutter speed. Maybe you need that 8,000 shutter speed because you're shooting in daylight, broad daylight all the time. Well, that's that's your gear holding you back on quality that you can deliver. But use your gear to its max potential. If you've mastered your gear as far as um, like manual settings, everything within your gear that it offers, color profiles, etc. And you're like, man, if I only had this thing that this camera offers, it would make the quality of my films 2x, 3x. That's when you would want to invest in a bigger piece or a better quality piece of gear in your kit. Um, Too often, like I said, people just jump into it way too big. And I get it because we want to, sometimes people want more expensive and better gear because it makes them feel more um, valued as a creator, valued as a business owner and stuff like that. And they think that clients are realistically speaking going to be like, Oh, I'm going to pay you more because you have this, but they don't really know the difference. And I, I know that I, I hate on that saying, and it is true. The client can't tell the difference. I hate that saying, but again, a 24 megapixel from one camera and a 24 megapixel from another camera, it's still a 24 megapixel. Now, the editing and the color, that's you on your back end and also the glass and the, or the lens you use to, you know, decide what sort of, sorry guys, what sort of compression will be on that photo. Yes, that's, you're deciding that and figuring that out. Same with sharpness and stuff, but use your gear to the max potential it can. Consider learning more about it, um, your gear before you do something new. Maybe research on uh, workarounds. I know some people want, you know, some people may be thinking, let's, I want to ditch 
a small mirrorless camera for filming weddings and I want to get something that can film raw recording that I can get raw video from. Okay, well, maybe you don't actually need raw video. Maybe try using S-Log3, which is a high dynamic range, more flexibility with colors. Maybe see if you love the quality that comes from that. Save on the money. Save on it and invest in other things like marketing or um, anything else that can help increase your quality. We'll talk a little bit more about the process later. Um, But understanding what limitations are holding your back from increasing your quality is huge because that allows you to assess um, what you need to to better to to better increase your quality, and like I said, never really truly go out of your way to copy other people's work, but using other people's work as inspiration is is there's no problem with that. If you see somebody else's reception and you're like, wow, why does this look so good? And then maybe they talk about the lighting setup they used or the audio that they used. Copying what they used to capture audio is not copying that person. It's just using the same gear. You still have to learn to set it up, how to get the better settings to use, how to do all that, set up the lighting to where it looks good with the cameras and lenses that you have. Um, So grabbing inspiration from other people will never be a problem, guys. I'll always highly suggest that. So what to purchase though? That's the big question is, is what you look at your films or your photos and you're like, what do I need to purchase? Well, personally, and guys, this is only my personal opinion. Other people will tell you other things and you can only assess what you think will help increase your quality by stuff that's holding you back from the style that you create. Now, for me, what was holding me back originally was I was shooting everything in my first few weddings, my first three weddings, I shot everything on a 16 millimeter Sigma lens, which was 24 millimeters on my A6500. So I was like, oh, okay, um, it's pretty wide. Um, I'm getting closer to people's faces for like a more, you know, close tight shot, but then their faces look really big. So it's like, okay, for me, I started with glass. Good glass will always have a much longer shelf life. Camera bodies come out year after year. Um, there's a new camera body and maybe not the same one, that exact same line, um, but something competitive in its market by other brands, you know, um, Canon released the Canon R5, which was like their professional high-end mirrorless camera that can shoot photos and good video. You know, and then Sony has their a7 III, which has been the industry standard for a photo video camera that's mirrorless um, for the past like four or five years. But like I said, glass though lasts a lot longer. They don't make second or third versions of lenses for a long time. And I'm really only speaking to Canon in this case and Nikon a little bit too. Sony hasn't even created a second version of any of their G Master lenses. There's no 24 to 70 version 2. There's no 70 to 200 version 2 um, f2.8, I mean. So the, the a good piece of glass will last you a long time. And there's a lot more competitors now that are driving down pricing. So, you know, uh, a G Master lens is going to be known for being very, very sharp. It's going to have a little bit better autofocus than any of their non-native glasses uh, or non-native lenses will. So like the Sigma lenses and the Rokinon lenses. But you're paying more money. You're paying more money for a high quality piece of glass, but it's going to last you a long time. I will say this. I was a sleeper on the 24 millimeter f1.4 g master lens for sony and then when i bought it i i'm mad i didn't get it earlier there was a few other weddings i know it would have it would have been amazing to use on and now i used to be a 35 85 shooter for dual camera setup for photos now i'm a 24 55 shooter um and i'm gonna go about what i'm talking about a little bit later in this little talking point here but yeah guys understanding that lenses will consistently always be there. The The shelf life is longer, whereas camera bodies are on, ongoing and never changing. So talking about, you know, dual camera, dual harness, multiple different angles, the glass can help you with that too, because with a 16 millimeter lens or 24 millimeter lens, 
if all you have is 24 and 35 millimeter lenses, those focal ranges are so close that people may not even be able to tell the difference on a screen that you're using two different lenses. But going from a 24 to an 85, oh, you're going to tell the difference completely. It's more dramatic of a change. It's more impactful, especially if you're using it in the correct re in the correct ways. Um, you know, portraits a lot of times are being shot on 55, 85, 135 millimeter lenses. As opposed to like maybe showing off a landscape will be on like a 24, 35, sometimes even a 12 if it's like a very really nice area where a wide shot would do really well. Um, you use good glass to help tell your story. You know, you want your, you want your viewer of your film or of the image to feel there, you're going to use a tighter lens. You want them to feel like they're seeing the whole bigger picture of where that person's at, like the surrounding they're in, you're going to do something a little bit wider. So having that flexibility of being able to tell your story through the lenses makes it a really good investment to up that quality. It's really tough to to make a really high quality wedding film per se and even deliver a very high quality gallery when you're shooting everything on one 24 millimeter lens. And honestly, my opinion on this is the same for zoom lenses because there's no impactful change. There's no direct change from 24 to 28 millimeters or 32 millimeters it's so incremental that it's going to look all the same to a viewer now if you went from 24 and zoomed all the way into the 75 yeah you're still at f 2.8 so that compression is higher but that bokeh is still kind of the same if you were really close uh, but again that's just my opinion as far as when it comes to zooms and like i said guys this is just my opinion i cannot stress that enough so the glass is my first recommendation um, for both photo and video Second, for wedding filmmakers, um, after you've purchased two or three good lenses, and I would say, like I said, kind of skipping, for video, I think you can get away with using a zoom. I use a zoom on wedding days for video a lot. My 28 to 75, my Tamron, I use that lens a lot. Love that lens. Um, I found that um, the last few weddings, I've been trying to like break out of my you know, um, consistency of shooting the exact same way at weddings. So I have been experimenting with being more prime focused. Now, is it stressful with you know having to rebalance a gimbal a lot? Of course it is. Um, and not being able to, if you're in this in the span of one second, change your focal range. Yeah, of course it is. Um, but it kind of pushes you outside of your comfort zone. And the quality you're going to get from prime is always going to be better than a zoom lens, in my opinion. But the second thing I invested in in my career um, when it came to um, videos or writing films was audio. You're going to hear this a lot, and it is very, very true. People will forgive poor picture quality in a video um, and like the quality of it, if it's 720p or if the 1080p is not as sharp or if the colors aren't as amazing. But poor audio quality, people will not forgive. You know, when you're listening to the radio or um, maybe a, your phone's plugged in and you're listening to a song and somebody didn't master that song well and it's really bad, your likelihood to listen to the whole thing and and more often than a really well mastered song is very much so decreased. Um, so for me, I wanted to focus on the audio side. Sound is what makes video different from photos. Yes, obviously there's motion in video. Obviously there is people running or walking or you moving along with your your gimbal. But in the end, you are seeing you're seeing a picture that's moving. Obviously, but it's the it's the sound. It's the audio that really makes especially wedding films really impactful and even stuff like 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 avengers movies or marvel movies i mean um those sound effects and the and the grunts and the the explosion sounds make it so much more impactful to to watch that film um so sound is huge for films and i think that a lot of the wedding videographers underestimate that and they just you know don't invest in audio 
have like four different camera angles at a, at a wedding ceremony, but this just slap on a music track because they don't really have any audio from the day or it's really pixelated or seems very far away or you can hear every little crumb dropping because the, the levels are boosted so high. Um, so for me, audio was my second investment. I would start with getting, you know, um, small recorders that you can put on people. And then after you achieve enough of those, I would say at least two groom officiants, um, bride and groom, if you want to do that. Um, and then you at least would get a backup source, which could be, you know, the little sleeve through the mic with a little Sony recorder or even a better recorder to plug into like the DJ's audio board or, or et cetera in that way. Um, but again, audio quality is, is crucial for people retaining, you know, time watching a video. My comparison to this, um, or my, my photo side for quality improvement would be flashes. I think that flash is crucial for receptions because if you're just pumping your eyes, so those, your images are not going to look the same as they would earlier in the day. Um, they're, you know, they're darker, they're grainier, they're a little bit more dramatic since you have no light coming in. Um, so flashes are huge for low light situations as well. And then also like, they're just very, they're very useful for styling or dramatizing, um, images. People have created huge careers off of using flash to capture amazing images and that's their style for me i use flashes when i don't have enough natural light that's just how i like to shoot that complements my style the best and for me i find it during the reception i would never really pull out a flash during a um during times where i don't really need them i'm not off camera lighting um sunset pictures i i would rather go flash lists um for those but again that just fits more with my style you have to ask what your style is a photographer friend of mine um ying photography their flash techniques are amazing i see some of their flash photos and it they blow my mind um backlighting couples when during you know um the exit of a wedding when all the smoke from the sparklers are in the air or backlighting a couple that's sitting in a really nice vintage car like they really dramatize their images and style them to how they like to shoot um and it's absolutely beautiful so you just kind of have to ask yourself like what quality of an image are you trying to deliver and see if flashes would be something for you guys um after this though i am going to go back on what i said in the first point i actually am going to two additional bodies here for video as well um and for photos um for me Having that additional angle is huge for video, um, especially like if you're wanting to tell more of a um, dramatized or longer story just because it's more footage, but also just changing up between that 24 to uh, that 24 and that 85 or 24 and 55 millimeter ranges in video just looks amazing. Whenever I book a second shooter, I don't touch my, my zoom all, at all. I will be on something of like a 35 or even like a 55. If there's like a, you know, if the setting is more larger and we can step back a little bit and push forward. And then my second would be something on like an 85 or even like 135 to get like a tight. Um, it could be different though, like 24 and 55 just depends again on the room. But having that addition, additional angle, being able to cut back between those is huge. And then for photos, the obvious, the obvious advantage here is just different lenses on both cameras where you can, you know, during... Family formals, um, you can grab your vertical image with maybe a um, a or a tight lens, like a 55, and then your horizontal image because you have more space or something like that, or you like the sides better with a 35 or 24 or something, etc. Just being able to del deliver a gallery where you can use different um, primes in one situation quickly will be very impactful to your quality. People will scroll through your galleries and see, wow, like these photos are absolutely amazing. Um, and it just helps too as well with um, with being able to be a little bit more efficient on the job. 
after I invested in bodies for me, I was, you know, for photos, I was kind of considering like, where was, where was I at when I, where, I apologize guys, I'm rambling here. Um, where was I at that I knew I, where, okay, I'm going to go to sleep now and take a nap. I obviously can't find my words. I'm sorry this turned into ASMR. <laughs> um, when I was working, I realized and sat to myself, what do I need to invest in now? What I was at a wedding and I remember thinking to myself, like, what's something that can bring my quality to the next step? Um, for for video, it was definitely um, switching up how I was filming in regards to stabilization. I found that I was doing everything on gimbals. I was doing everything on a gimbal all day. I would sit on a gimbal all day. Bride prep, groom prep. Um, I would take it off just for the like the letter reading or something. And then during the ceremony, I was pretty much on a gimbal the entire time. And I noticed that a lot of the day looked consistent, at least stabilization-wise. And if you look at some of, of your favorite creators that you draw inspiration from, and you can see, look at their films, look at their photos, see how they're different. Try to point out the things that are different. And I realized in videos, I enjoy that some stuff was you know really smooth, cinematic, like on a gimbal. And then some stuff made you feel like you were right there, handheld during a first look, handheld during you know a, a letter reading to make it look like you're sitting there listening to this person. Um, that's when I started to invest more in stabilizers, whether that would be a gimbal, a monopod, building a cage for my new A7S III, stuff like that, which really helped me so much in, in, in the long run of creating a film that was a little bit more dynamic. This can kind of carry over here um, for... Uh, photography too. For me, it was more so investing into a really good dual dual camera harness. I found that um, when I was able to have a, a comfortable one that I didn't feel, um, I, I didn't hate wearing, it enabled me to wear it more often and switch cameras more often um, instead of just having like one draped over my shoulder and them swinging around everywhere. But after this, guys, it was just more so the small things. Um, investing in lights for video was like the last thing I did and I've loved that. I honestly maybe would have put that before additional bodies but I just valued that additional angle a little bit more. Um, and then just like a styling kit for photos, um, just having something to take flat lays for. People that take really good flat lays, notoriously always are able to charge more money, or more money, more money, guys. Um, and I just think that's because they're capturing the, the, um, the details of the wedding day better instead of just taking it you know, while they're on people and stuff like that. And obviously, a lot of this depends on your market and stuff and um, how, you know, the market is. Um, do you find that some of the higher end photographers in your area, do they take a lot of flat lay images? Do they take a lot of sunset shoots? Do they, you know, stuff like this can, you know, play a big role into what you will be investing in just because maybe, maybe in your market, there's a lot of videographers that are doing very, very successful and they, none of them use off camera, off camera lighting at all. And they just all use ambient lighting, whatever the reception has available. You can obviously stay that course if you want to just like kind of like follow them, um, but you can also like, you know, I hate to be this guy, but create your own path um, and kind of do your own thing. For those that are listening, thank you so much for tuning into the Lens Culture podcast. Um, if you have a free second, I would love if you could leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps out so much with letting the episode get for those that are still listening, thank you so much for, I think I already did a sponsor, sponsor read here, or a review read here. Okay, guys, lastly, real quickly, we're going to touch on post-production. Um, this is where a large portion of your creativity comes into to play here, obviously. Um, 
But with that said, some of this could come down to the gear that you do have too, like your computer. If you have a really good computer, it could increase, increase your delivery time, um, which will help you know get photos and videos back to clients a little bit quicker, which in essence will in turn make them think the quality of it is higher. Um, also, how you're sending your products. If you're using a Dropbox, Dropbox link or Google Drive link in 2020, uh, I, I don't even want to... Don't look at me. Don't talk to me for like a week. <laughs> um, there's so many useful useful stuff out there um, for delivering that type of thing and or that type of thing for delivering photos or videos and I think that sometimes people forget about how useful they are and lastly guys offering additional prints or edits for videos or products for photos um, um, and going out of your way to help couples do those do those things is is, is crucial in up, upgrading your quality it shows that you care about making sure that they've um, been satisfied completely with their purchase with you, um, with the work you've produced. And then also you're going above and beyond to make sure that there is anything there. Is there anything else that they would need? Is there anything else you guys desired? Anything else at all? Um, and this will just help raise the quality of, of their perception of you and the work that you delivered. Well, guys, that's episode 50 in the books. It's so cool to think that I've done 50 episodes of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Um, head over to my YouTube channel. I'm going to be posting a video today with the new A7S3. I'm so excited to start using this. I have my first wedding with it tomorrow. Um, and I have my first wedding with a completely new camera cage that I built out for it as well. Anyways, guys, be sure to check out my Instagram and interact with me on there. Shoot me a DM or something. I'm always love and love chatting with you guys over there. But be sure to have a good week and I'll talk to you in the next episode. 